The reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and reading verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The prologue of John's Gospel is probably one of the most theologically rich passages we have in the Bible. It's full of symbolism that draws us into the very heart of what we believe as Christians. It's used to base, it has been used to base creeds and statements of faith on. It's used in many a Christmas service and it's been debated and discussed throughout centuries. And on this windy October morning, we have it as our passage to look at. We continue our series on <coughs> biblical paradoxes taken from Krish Kandaya's book, Paradoxology. And the paradox we're looking at this morning is the God who is divinely human. The God who is divinely human. Jesus, being fully God and fully human. Jesus' very nature, being and wholeness found in him being fully God and fully human. He didn't give away any of his divinity while becoming human, and he didn't lessen any of his humanity while being divine. Again, this is theologically rich, dense, and to be honest, a bit confusing. I have not got a PhD on the meaning of the word or the significance of darkness or the nuances of the flesh in this passage. But what I have done 
is spent a little time thinking and a lot of time praying about this passage and want to make an offering to us this morning about what this passage tells us about Jesus. The believing in Jesus, being fully God and fully human, embracing this paradox, means that we believe in a God who reveals himself to us and who relates to us. Who reveals himself to us and who relates to us. Before we dive into this passage and discover it anew for ourselves, hopefully, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for who you are to each one of us, who you are when you came to this world. And we pray that this morning, through opening up your word and receiving what you have to say to each one of us, might that reveal something new to us. May we understand who we are in light of that and who you call us to be. Thank you that through your spirit being here, we don't do this alone, but we do this with your revelation. Amen. In the prologue of John's Gospel, which we have as our passage this morning, you can have a look at it. I'm going to just be picking up on a few of the things that it says. John was making a statement. One of the statements he was making, and he was making it quite clearly from the beginning, was to address the current, current thinking in philosophy. This was very different to the other three Gospels. And John, in these first words, hits a home run. He's placing Jesus within the realm of philosophy and thinking that Jesus had never been placed in before. This was mainly done by John introducing the title, The Word, and assigning it to Jesus. This shows us that God has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. The question from God's people was, where is God? Is he in the temple? Is he in the tabernacle? Is he in the holy of holies? In the clouds? In the whisper? Where is God revealing himself to his creation? The fundamental comfort we have as Christian believers is that God has revealed himself through Jesus through Jesus coming into this world as fully God and as fully human. And this is the main point of what John is trying to say to us in these first few verses. The way we come to the revelation of God through Jesus is in John using this phrase, the word. I've tried to look and read a bit about this. And anytime you open a commentary about these verses, this is what it comes up with, what these, the nuances of John using the word mean. And two of the main reasons people give for John using this title and assigning it to Jesus is firstly, again, John is aligning Jesus with the current thinking in philosophy especially the philosopher Philo, was using the word 
to describe the ideal person, to describe the ideal man, to describe what perfection of perfection looks like. And people will have known that, been reading about that, understand that. So when John uses this phrase to describe Jesus, people knew what he was getting at, that Jesus was the one who would show all others what perfection looks like and acts like. Secondly, others say that John was making a direct link back to Genesis 1. It's not hard to read Genesis 1 and John 1 and see the similarities. And looking at Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The word was what created the world. The word was what was at the beginning. These show the centrality of the link that John was making by using the word, by linking creation and incarnation. Linking John 1 to Genesis 1 is crucial to us seeing that Jesus was, is fully God and fully human, and that this reveals to us who God is. In anything and everything we create, we say a little about ourselves. If you look at a child's picture, you see a bit of their personality. If you look at what somebody cooks, you see a bit about how they're feeling. What we create says something about us. When God created the world, this was the beginning of him revealing himself to us. He created through the word. And then this word, which was there at the beginning, which created at the beginning, is now in human form, living a human life. One commentator said that verse 1 is better read, in beginning was the word, not in the beginning, the in beginning. And I think this omission of the word the is actually quite interesting, showing us that the beginning was the start, that Jesus was there at the start of the start, at the beginning of the beginning. He was there at the start of history. And now we have him revealed to us as a human. Why is this important for us? Well, I was at a podcast recording on Tuesday evening. This podcast was a podcast called Ask Science Mike. Science Mike is not a scientist. He's a self-confessed not scientist. His name is Mike Maharg, and he's a Christian who does a weekly podcast. A podcast is like a radio um, program that then gets put on um, the internet, where people ask him all sorts of questions. There's no holds barred. Any question um, can be asked, and then he answers them. It makes for interesting listening. One of the questions that was presented to Science Mike on Tuesday evening was about VR, virtual reality. Now, I am no expert in VR, but Science Mike seemed to quite like this. Lucky, because he was asked the question about it. The whole concept of VR is that you put on a headset Again, if anybody knows more about VR, then I apologize, because this is what I get of it. You put on a headset, and you enter into a computer-generated world. 
the attraction of this is that putting on this headset and entering into this world, you can talk to other people. But more than talk to other people, you can have communication with other people. You can see them. In some VR, you can use touch as well. This is the wonders of technology. And Science Mike was talking about a time he was using his VR, entering into this world, and had this conversation sitting around with three or four other people from around the world. And he was talking about this experience and saying that it was profoundly real to him. It was as if he was there talking to these people. They were able to shake hands and see each other and laugh and really get into deep, deep conversation. It was a really real experience for him. And he went on to talk about how VR can also be used in quite a destructive way. <laughs> but Science Mike was really positive about VR. And it made me think about how we relate to God and how God has been revealed to us. And I think sometimes I think that God has been revealed to us and we need to enter into this VR world to be able to see that revelation. But that's not what our passage is saying to us. God is not revealed through a VR headset or in a tabernacle or in creation alone. The divine became fully revealed himself to his creation. In John 1, we have words telling us that God is not remote. He's not distant. He's not needing technology to be found. He has revealed himself to humanity as a human. He has become one of us. This means we have the opportunity through the person of Jesus to know God fully and completely. God did not keep any part hidden in coming to earth. Jesus being fully God and fully human means that creation can know the creator because he has been fully revealed to us. This paradox shows us that Jesus has reveals to us who God is. It also shows us that he relates to us. Humans are wired to find things in common with each other. When we first meet someone, we ask them where they come from, what they do, where they holidayed. We try to find things in common, try to kind of grasp at these things. And we usually form deep relationships with people we relate to most, who hold the same values as us, maybe do the same pastimes as us. This doesn't mean we're the same as these people, but it means that we can form relationships with these people. Our passage this morning and our paradox of Jesus being fully God and fully human shows us that God has revealed himself to us and also that he relates to us. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What a wonderful statement. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The perfect being and revelation of God becoming flesh. Biblically, the word flesh can mean sinful and relate to that which is not redeemed. But here John is using it to show that Jesus took on the fullness of humanity that is the weakness of the flesh. That humanity can bleed that our bodies are weak and need fed and watered and sleep and time out, and that in our very being and humanity are 
deep signs of the brokenness that permeates the whole of creation. This is what Jesus came into. He didn't just come as a disguised human. He didn't have medical skin or the ability to only need three hours sleep or could forget to eat for 48 hours and be okay or see injustice and not want to shout uncontrollably about it. He came into the world to relate to the fullness of what it means to be human in flesh. He dwelled among us, tabernacled, or made his home among us. There's a grittiness about this verse, a totality about Jesus actually taking on flesh and blood and coming down to where we are, where we dwell, where our home is. It's personal. Jesus, being fully God and fully human, means he relates to us. We don't profess to believe in a God who is distant and irrelevant, but God who became one of us, who reveals to, who relates to us. Jesus relates to us in our joys. Look at the wedding at Cana and in providing the best wine. Jesus relates to us in our anger. Look at the entering the temple and turning over the tables. Jesus relates to us in our broken relationships. Look at Judas. Jesus relates to us in our rejection. Look at verse 9 to 11 of our passage. The light came into the world and the world did not receive him. Jesus relates to us in our grief. Look at Jesus weeping when Lazarus dies. Jesus relates to us in our tiredness. He would retreat to get time out with the Father. Jesus relates to us in our friendships. He had 12 friends he invested in and who invested in him. Jesus relates to us in our mortality. He asked for the cup of suffering and death to be taken from him. In all of Jesus' humanity, he does not lose his divinity. We see this most at the cross. The divine taking a last breath. The divine bleeding. The divine crying out for another way. But still going through the horror, loneliness, darkness of death. So that the whole point of the paradox comes to a resounding crescendo. The divine dies. If we need clear evidence of Jesus' divinity and humanity, we see the third day. A risen Christ showing all of humanity that the divide is once and for all bridged. Because once and for all, the very human experience of death was defeated by God who became fully human. Jesus being fully human and fully God shows us that God relates to us. I was visiting my sister this weekend and we were talking yesterday about blogs and she has um, twins who are two. So she is in the midst of trying to figure out what it means to be a parent and do that well and clumsily and try to get through every day. So she reads blogs. And she was saying that she reads one blog and that she said, I was talking about what the blog was about and she was saying that she really likes this blog. I was saying, what, why this blog do you particularly like? And she was saying, I like it because the woman talks about her experience not as if she's the only one who's going through the experience. 
She understands that there's other people who might be able to relate to her. And my sister was saying that lots of the blogs talk about their sleepless nights or their child being sick or their child not wanting to go to nursery as if they're the only ones who have ever gone through this. And she was saying, you know, it's not really the way I want it to be. I want to be able to relate to people. Sometimes we think we're the only ones who are feeling the way we do. And this is natural. And this is what causes our loneliness sometimes and our feeling of being overwhelmed and our feeling of isolation and that we are the only ones going through the situation that we are going through. And maybe it feels like that. But what we have in this passage is that Jesus relates to us in the fullness of our humanity, in our weakness, in our despair, in our grief, in our joys, in our excitement. He relates to the fullness of our humanity and meets us there and loves us there. I was reading lots of commentaries about this passage and one commentator said this statement and I really loved it because I think as I've been preparing, I've held on to it. He said, the greatness of this truth assaults the mind and staggers the imagination. Assaults the mind and staggers the imagination. And I think that's kind of true. This paradox, the God who is divinely human, I think it assaults our minds. How could this be? God becoming one of us. And it staggers our imagination. I think we need to enter into creativity and into who God really is to understand this paradox and embrace it and have it shape who we are and what we believe. God becoming human and not losing any of his divinity. The truth that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. The truth that we have the invitation of relationship with God who has revealed himself to us and who relates to us.